in the KSRO Kitchen. I'm Steve Garner, along with Chef John Ash. Good morning, Chef John Ash. Good morning. How are you, Steve? I am doing very, very well, especially since I'm staring into the glass of a beautiful mm -hmm. pour of wine that I've been lusting after for the past six or seven minutes. We're, <laughs> we're very happy to welcome owner... Aaron Bennett from Navarro Vineyards in beautiful Philo, California, an area you're very familiar with, mm -hmm. having spent years up in Hopland mm -hmm. at Fetzer Winery in Mendocino County. And uh, we wanted to have Aaron on last week. We were unable to because of time constraints, but he is joining us via the magic of telephone to talk about his sweepstakes award-winning best rosé wine. This is from last month's San Francisco Chronicle wine competition. Close to 6,000 wines from nearly 1,000 wineries, over 60 judges, decided that this particular wine was the best, the best rosé entered into the competition. Mm. Pretty remarkable. How many rosés were entered, do you I, know? I couldn't find that. Okay. okay. But, uh, you but can, I'm sure a lot. Probably a lot. Yeah. And uh, Aaron has been on the show before, but not for this award-winning sweepstakes wine so welcome to the show thanks for taking time to talk with us and, congr and congratulations that's great thank you very much good morning steve good morning john yeah. it's uh wonderful to be here and thank you so much for having us on and john uh we don't want to keep you too long from tasting that wine in front of you, so. <laughs> thank you for your concern it's the 2022 <laughs> rosé sangiovese mendocino county suggested list is 24 dollars. is this wine available yet aaron no in fact um Due to supply chain issues, we've been having trouble getting bottles and getting labels in. We finally got that all ready, and it, it was bottled this week. So, um, yeah, it was kind of a last-minute decision to enter it into the competition because it was it would have had to been done as a winery tank sample. But we're sure glad mm -hmm. we did. And um, I'm happy to say that anyone can call up and, and get on the list for it. It's going to be officially released this summer, um, but we're bottling it this week. So even if we came up to the winery, you wouldn't slip us a bottle or two? <laughs> well, I could now legally. I could okay. because I have the labels for it. Okay. So, um, yeah, we, we're we're going to love being able to show this off in our tasting mm -hmm. room. It's such a fun uh, springtime, summertime wine that um, I think it's going to be uh, a hot ticket in the tasting room. So you said something there that um, I I don't know whether we tend to think of rosés as being warm weather. A wine to drink during warm weather because it's served typically uh, chilled, um, but I think this would be a delicious wine for the winter time. Yeah, um, this is our second vintage making it, and the first vintage we actually did release it in the winter time. It's kind of this holiday rosé, mm -hmm. um, and um, it's it does it, it it can it can pair well with um, you know anything I know. John, you had a recipe for uh, cranberry clafouti, mm -hmm. and I think and this is kind of oh, one of the yeah. perfect wines with yeah. that. Yeah. But, well, the other thing I think about, because the season uh, opens about this time, is with salmon, uh, however mm -hmm. you want to cook it. And because it looks, it has that lovely pink salmon color, so it takes you right there. Yeah. Yeah. Where is the vineyard where these grapes are grown? So this is, um, these are decade-old vines from Hopland. Um, this was farmed at the Gibson Ranch. Bob um, has managed that, his family's property, for four generations. Um, and it is a single vineyard selection, farmed organically. Um, it has these gravelly loam soils that form off the Feliz Creek just, just to the north of it. 
So if you're familiar with Hopland, if you look off towards the uh, kind of towards the west, um, you'll that's where the vineyard is. Now that's a lot warmer than Anderson Valley, where mm-hmm. Navarro Vineyards is located. It is, yeah. We we tend to source grapes um, that don't grow very well in Anderson Valley from um, inland Mendocino. So we produce three different rosés. The only one that we mm. produce from our estate oh. grapes is our rosé of Pinot Noir, which we grow um, plenty of in Anderson Valley. But our other two, Grenache uh, rosé and the Sangiovese, we are um, sourcing from uh, growers that we have a long relationship with and trust their practices. So rosé has, it took a, it took a long time for it to kind of catch on because, again, it was considered, oh, it's something you drink on a hot summer day and all of that. But it has really grown as a category or as a wine category uh, tremendously in the last few years. Absolutely. And we love that uh, rosés are getting more... Um, distinction for their varietal characters mm-hmm. uh, rather than just being pink wine mm-hmm. it really has i mean we would never think today of talking about a red wine or a white wine in such general terms but i'm we're really glad to think of rosé as a varietal um, category too so steve gave me a copy of mike dunn's uh review of this wine that i think mm-hmm. is just it is just great I, i'm sure you've seen it uh, oh, absolutely. But Steve, would you read that? Sure. Mike has been, the he's a great wine writer. He's with Sacramento Bee for, gosh, probably 30, mm-hmm. 40 years and writes for a lot of periodicals. And he is tasked with the enviable task of writing descriptors of all the best of class in the sweepstakes wine. And I want to remind folks that this was the sweepstakes winning rosé. Mike writes, <clears throat> For this exceptionally animated and uplifting pink wine, the government warning on the side of the label should be amended to warn consumers that once they start sipping its strawberry, raspberry, cherry fruit, they may not be able to stop until the very last drop is gone. That's pretty good writing. From its brilliant Victoria's Secret Pink to its crackling acidity, this is one invigorating and refreshing rosé. That's great. Well, you should just ask him if you could put that on the bottom. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great review. You know, we, it did cross our minds that we, we were thinking, because the labels are so late in coming, maybe we should be revising it to add Mike Dunn's government warning mm-hmm. as well. Are, um, all we of, are all of your grapes in Navarro, in just a quick historical look back, your folks started Navarro back, what, uh, 45, 50 years ago almost? Yeah, exactly. Almost 50 years ago, uh, this harvest will be the 50th. Uh, so they bought it in 73. It was a sheep ranch and had decided that they wanted to grow wines that they liked to drink. So they immediately put in uh, Chardonnay, Riesling, uh, Gewürztraminer, a little Pinot Noir, and um, since then it's grown. And currently operated by my sister and I and our families, and we hope to keep it in the family for many, many more years to come. Would you? Don't don't sell out to the big boys, okay? No. <laughs> All right. Have you, have, what, did your parents, was part of their vision planting organic grapes, and is that a continued vision and a reality or for you and your sister? I think it's, it's quite important to be uh, good stewards of the land, and part of that is uh, good management of what's going on in the biosphere and making sure that what you're putting into the vineyard is something that is going to come out in the wine, as well as the next and following vintages of um, whatever you're growing. 
So taking good care of the property is probably forefront on their mind as it is on ours as well, continuing. So do you, I, I know you do, but I'll ask it anyway. Do you have a wine club? We do. Um, we, we tend to sell most of our wine direct mm-hmm. um, to our club and to anyone who comes into our tasting room. We do have a, a notable presence at a lot of Bay Area restaurants, and we like to uh, yeah. be served with food. That's kind of our preference for how we drink wine. Um, but we, we encourage anyone to call up and join our club. It's really a, a low, uh, there's not a lot of uh, bar to entry for it. It's just two <laughs> shipments a year. And um, you get some great discounts and you get some, uh, you know, we're only making 700 cases of this rosé. And with oh, the press it's gotten, mm-hmm. this might go pretty quick to our club members. So we, we encourage people to look at the club as an option. What is your biggest selling wine in the Navarro portfolio? Well, Anderson Valley is pretty hot for Pinot Noir. Um, we do make a couple different lines of Pinot. Um, we also make the rosé of Pinot, and we make a white Pinot uh, from red Pinot grapes. Um, but we also produce a lot of Gewurztraminer. That's probably what we've been known for is our late harvest and our cluster select Gewurztraminer as well as Rieslings, Muscat, uh, Pinot Blanc is a new addition, new planting, and um, Pinot Gris. Uh, Pinot Blanc, you don't hear much about that grape being planted. Why are you investing in that? Uh, You know, I think that the climate was right for it. Uh, We already grew Pinot Noir and Pinot Gris, and this is kind of a mutation of those. Um, And so we kind of keep it in the Pinot family. Uh, We have a my sister has started a second line called Penny Royal Farm, not to name drop here, but they produce a blend of all three Pinots, the Pinot Blanc, Pinot Gris, and Pinot Noir, that is kind of changes your mind about what a blend, a wine blend can be. And aren't you, aren't you involved with Penny Royal Farm as it, it, somehow, or is it yeah. just, just that you get grapes from them? No, we are we are operationally the same company. Uh-huh. Um, we at Penny Royal we produce a lot of uh, farmstead cheese as well. So mm-hmm. there's a, a herd of goats and, and milk cheese and sheep for milk, um, as well as producing a state Pinot and a state Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah, I, I have to say it's the, the, to visit both of those places, Penny Royal Farm and to visit Navarro, is it, it's a great weekend trip uh, to be up in that part of the world. Yeah. Well, when the roads open, it, it snowed, <laughs> yeah. snowed in yeah. yesterday. So. Yeah, I heard that. Oh, okay, because yeah. it's right, uh, yeah, you get into some higher elevations up in that part of Philo and Mendocino County. You do. You you have to cross 128 or Highway 253 from Ukiah. So there is no freeway that gets to Anderson Valley. But I can guarantee you, for anyone who's making the drive through, um, you're going to taste some exquisite mm-hmm. wine, some really amazing stuff, and have an experience that's unlike anything else. Navarro Vineyards 2022 Mendocino Rosé of Sangiovese. This won the coveted Sweepstakes Award, Best Rosé at this year's San Francisco Chronicle Wine Competition. Owner Aaron Bennett, thank you so much for taking time to chat with John and me. And I couldn't be happier to take this break because now I get to sip, yeah, yeah. sip some of this yeah, wine. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. And congratulations on your 50 years. That's that's amazing. Thank you so much, yeah. John. Thank you, Steve. It was wonderful being here, and thank you so much for the uh, the kind words. Our pleasure. Take care, Aaron. Aaron Bennett from Navarro, back after this. Hear a little music, find out what's going on around town, and have some fun. Tune in for The Drive with Steve Jackson. Weekday afternoons, 3 to 6 p.m., KSRO. Did you know that mosquitoes can still thrive in a drought? 
Mosquitoes need very little water to complete their life cycle. Help fight the bite by dumping out plant saucers. Tightly cover or screen water storage containers, stock mosquito fish in ponds, and refresh water in bird baths and pet dishes once a week. To report mosquito problems, contact the Marin Sonoma Mosquito and Vector Control District at 707-285-2200. Or visit msmosquito.org for more information. Improperly maintained or neglected pools and spas can produce hundreds of thousands of mosquitoes, resulting in neighborhood-wide mosquito problems that can increase the risk of mosquito-borne diseases like West Nile virus. If you have an unmaintained pool or spa or know of one in your community, contact the Marin Sonoma Mosquito and Vector Control District at 707-285-2200 or online at msmosquito.org for help. That's 707-285-2200 or msmosquito.org. Do healthy eating habits fit into your New Year's resolution? Then shop the Santa Rosa Certified Farmer's Market for fresh local produce. It's important to know where your food comes from, and you can meet the local farmers and ranchers who raise quality, locally grown food products for you to enjoy. At the market, you can savor a variety of delicious prepared foods. The market offers fresh local ingredients for healthy dinners, a variety of quality meats from beef and pork to seafood, along with seasonal fruits and vegetables. Taste the local cow and goat cheese blends from Achadina Cheese Company. Purchase the wonderful baked goods, jams, spices, and pastas. Everything you need to create memorable, healthy dinners is at the Santa Rosa Original Farmer's Market. Open year-round, rain or shine, Saturdays, 8.30 till 1 p.m. at Luther Burbank Center for the Arts. The Santa Rosa Original Certified Farmer's Market, where it's always fresh, local, and fun. Hi, this is Joe Cordell with the law firm Cordell & Cordell. Divorce can be complicated, especially if children are involved. If you're a father and want to protect your role in your children's lives, remember Cordell & Cordell. We've helped men with matters like these for 30 years, and we'd love to help you. Schedule an appointment with one of Cordell & Cordell's California area attorneys. 2121 North California Boulevard, Suite 290, Walnut Creek, California, 94596. Online at CordellCordell.com. That's CordellCordell.com. Open a 6-9 or 12-month CD account at Poppy Bank with a 4% annual percentage yield for a limited time only. Offer is good for business and personal accounts. Grow your business today by visiting one of our many California branches. For more information, visit poppy.bank. That's P-O-P-P-Y dot bank. Annual percentage yield APY on certificates of deposit is subject to change without notice following the initial term. APY assumes principal remains on depositor the entire term. Interest will be compounded daily and paid monthly. Fees or withdrawals of principal or interest could reduce earnings. Early withdrawals are subject to interest penalties. Minimum opening balance $1,000. Member FDIC and equal housing lender. KSRO, AM, FM, and online. Depend on it. Live from the KSRO Kitchen with Chef John Ash, I'm Steve Garner, celebrating our 37th year here on the air, our longest-running radio food show in, in America. I don't know where you're listening to us from, but if it's cold where we are here for us, and I know our listeners in Chicago and Aerosmith are mm-hmm. laughing and going, <laughs> you don't know from cold. Mm-hmm. But for us, this is pretty chilly with frost well, and on lots the mountains. Of, and lots of snow. Yeah, Temperatures around. in the upper 20s and yeah. mid-30s. Perfect time to celebrate National Clam Chowder Day, mm-hmm. which is today. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, I'm looking at the Hog Island Oyster Company, Hog Island Clam Chowder recipe. And you just told me during the break that the first copy of the Hog Island seafood book that you wrote yeah you yeah. just received in the mail this i week. did i i don't know where it came from i don't know whether it was a test run mm -hmm. or something but they only had just a few that they were sending out to people who were involved with the book i guess to have us put our stamp of approval on it or something like that but yeah so i can actually see what it looks like which is which is very exciting and when is it officially going to be released it, at the end of may oh okay so we still have so, a few months yeah Oh, well, but we can talk about this Hog Island Oyster Clam Chowder, which is in the book. Yes. Yeah. And which is a pretty famous recipe. Is this the exact recipe that they serve at the restaurants? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. With sort of rewritten a little bit because when they make it at the restaurant, they make it in gigantic batches, which, of course, you wouldn't do at home. You know, the five gallons of, uh, of clam chowder is, you know, where are you going to put it? Uh, so it's kind of only modified to do it so that the home cook could do it. And it's one of the most popular dishes, if not the most popular dish, served at uh, uh, at the Hog Island Oyster Bars. So. Well, it contains everything that I want mm -hmm. in my clam chowder, including cream, mm -hmm. which I like, the raw Hog Island Manila uh, clams, clams yeah. yes, and then... Uh, we have Yukon gold potatoes, butter, thyme, carrot, leek, some celery, and bacon. Uh -huh. So the the most important thing, the thing that's so charming about the recipe is that it, it its roots come from John Finger's mom. John Finger is the president of Hog Island. And he said, this must be a chowder. This is not going to be one of those chowders that people claim, you can stand a spoon up in it and all that stuff. No starch and all of that stuff added to it. I don't know where that came from, but, you know, you, well, you know, you've been east, and sometimes you get these really thick. It's like they're, they're, there's a Julia Child term for that, which I love. They're mucilaginous, <laughs> you know. They're just so thick, and it's like it's ridiculous. Well, there was a time when quality was an indicator of how thick yeah, a oh, soup yeah. was, and yeah. people don't realize it's you're paying for flour. Yeah, right. So this has no flour. It's yeah. the Hog Island Clam Chowder, and it's on the KSRO website now. Six to eight servings, the measurements, and active time, 30 minutes, total time an hour. And really, that's about accurate for this clam chowder, wouldn't you say? It wouldn't to, take to much make? more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It comes together very quickly. And if you don't want to use clams, you can use... Uh, it's a great chowder for fishes and mussels and, you know, anything else you want to do. And if you can afford it, you might uh, throw some fresh Dungeness crab. Oh, what a great yeah. idea. You've also included, John, one of your recipes. This is for an Asian clam chowder. Mm -hmm. What's How does that come together? Well, it has Asian ingredients in it. Uh, so, and I can't remember, I don't have it in front of me, but I think there's some... Uh, Toasted uh, sesame oil there and is. that kind of stuff in it, and a little, uh, a little coconut. coconut milk mm -hmm. and chili garlic sauce yeah. and stuff like that. The little Thai green curry yeah. paste, yeah, and a little garlic. Yeah. And but it's equally easy. You just need you know to make it easy on yourself. If you go to a an Asian market and buy the already made chili paste and the all of that stuff, which you want to keep on hand anyway. So. 
Those two recipes are on the KSRO Good Food Hour website now. And we want to mention that the best of 15 years at the Relish Culinary Center is happening this month, this coming month in March, featuring some of the greatest chefs that have ever appeared at Relish Culinary Center over the last my gosh, it's been almost 15 years yeah, yeah, since 2008, yeah. since Donna Del Rey uh-huh. started that great cooking uh-huh. schools. I know you appeared there a number of times. Yeah, yeah. And in this kind of farewell to well, the school. Well, what, what she's doing, how she started, it was really fascinating. She started by doing cooking classes and dinners at wineries in the area. Uh, and that was the genesis for the school. So she got a space in Healdsburg where she, it was a little easier, you know, not schlepping stuff around so easily. Uh, and, and so she did, she did that. Uh, anyway, that was what started the school. And uh, so she's going to, she's, th- this really is, she's exiting the school. She's giving up her lease. Um, and she's going to go back to doing special events at wineries and, and things like that. So go back to where she began, which was very successful. Well, the lineup is brief and to the point and truly all-star lineup. Grossman's Noshery Supper with Chef Mark Stark mm-hmm. from Stark's Reality Restaurant. The group on March 9th. And we move on to Tracy Shippos Tsunami. Tracy's a great chef. She was with Stark Reality Restaurant restaurants for many years mm-hmm. and now is with Kendall Jackson mm-hmm. as their culinary she's, director. She's, yes, she's the director. There. She's March 15th and then the best of 15 years with chefs Jeff and Susan Mall, who we yeah. had the pleasure of spending time with Jeff for Volo Chocolate uh-huh. and they're doing a chocolate themed yeah. dinner. Oh my fun. gosh, the mole black bean dip with tortillas, warm mushroom salad with cocoa nibs, nib rubbed roasted pork tenderloin, corn masa polenta, sauteed greens, chocolate panna cotta. What a menu. Then we move on to, uh, I know this, Chef John Ash, ah. March 23rd, and uh, some recipes from the Hog Island Fish and Seafood Cookbook yeah, will yeah. be debuted. Including the famous Hog Island Clam Chowder. Fabulous, including a halibut, it looks like you're going to uh-huh. serve, with spicy coconut broth, and uh-huh. asparagus, arugula, parmesan, roasted mushroom salad. Oh, I, lo- I know this recipe, the lemon polenta cake, uh-huh. with st- hope it's some good strawberries. Maybe you get some good strawberries in March. Well, you know, you can. You can. It's it's amazing. I don't know how they do it, but there, strawberries are everywhere. It used to be a seasonal crop, but no longer. And then March 30th, Gerard Nabeski, mm. Mr. Paella himself, a trio of paellas, hands-on, and uh, my gosh, what an incredible lineup! You should go to the the website right now, relishculinary.com, because some of these classes are already sold mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. and they're selling out quickly well and it's not a big space so that's the other reason to go there which actually makes it good because it's a more intimate and it really is a class you you cook it you know people uh, and, and you then will you, be there to help people oh of course and then classes. you sit down and eat it so it's great the best of 15 years at the relish culinary center many of our listeners will be able to attend back after this. Sonoma County's News Talk, KSRO, on FM at 103.5 in Santa Rosa and Windsor, and now at 96.9 in Petaluma. This is George Adair with Cross Country Mortgage. If you're in the market to buy a home, this message is for you. My team and I are experts at providing hands-on assistance to getting your home financing done fast and with confidence. Folks, I've been helping people obtain the right financing for nearly two decades. This experience has helped hundreds of homeowners get through some challenging situations. Maybe you're a property investor, or how about a first-time home buyer? 
Divorces are very complicated, and you need my experience to understand what your mortgage options are. Inherited property or rent-to-own agreements are also my specialty. Financing a home is a huge transaction in your life. When combined with a challenging situation, you need the advice and confidence to do it right. If you're ready for a great lending experience, call 707-583-8100. That's 707-583-8100. Or visit georgiadare.com. That's georgiadare.com. Cross Country Mortgage, NMLS 3029, and Georgia Dare, NMLS 245370 www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org Equal housing opportunity subject to credit approval. Flora Terrace, Sonoma County's destination dispensary now has two locations. West Santa Rosa at 1825 Empire Industrial Court in Coffee Park and their new store at 1226 4th Street in downtown Santa Rosa. Flora Terra is a canna sewers wonderland. Their curated selection of innovative and sustainable products are priced reasonably to not break the bank. Where wine country meets craft cannabis Floraterra. Open 9 to 9 Monday through Saturday and 9 to 8 Sundays online at floraterraca.com Cookie wants to be a professional wrestler. I'm Cookie Serratos and I'm 11 years old. She also wants to win all the medals. That's why Cookie and her family make every day count squeezing out her best with Go Go Squeeze. Okay Cookie, let's break for a Go Go Squeeze. Go Go Squeeze fruit on the go pouches are a nutritious snack made from 100% fruit with no sugar added. Go Cookie! Because when you nurture your kids, you squeeze out the best in them. Squeeze out the best with Go Go Squeeze. Not a low calorie food. Products range from 11 to 13 grams of sugar and 60 to 70 calories per serving. Are you the parent of a two to seven year old? Listen closely for an exciting free radio offer. By now you've probably heard of ABC Mouse, the Parents' Choice Award winning online learning program that's actually changing the lives of early learners everywhere. ABC Mouse is like a little one-on-one teacher. It has helped her so much. Right now we're offering a special radio promo to try it free for a month, but you have to go to abcmouse.com radio to claim your free month. That's abcmouse.com radio. Sponsored by Age of Learning. In the KSRO Kitchen, I'm Steve Garner, along with Chef John Ash. Delighted to be here this morning celebrating you wherever you're listening to the program from, whether online or here in the San Francisco Bay Area, celebrating our 37th year on the air. And we're so thrilled to welcome one of the members of a family that has just written The Walks of Life, Mm -hmm. W-O-K-S, Recipes to Know and Love from a Chinese-American family based on their astronomical success and their blog by the same mm-hmm. name sarah long part of the family that wrote the book is with us this morning hi sarah and thanks for joining john and me hi john hi steve uh thank you so much for having me oh yeah well the book came out uh, right before the end of last year and has just been i'm hoping selling very very well because i see your name everywhere and talking with everybody uh, about this particular book and you must be very gratified you your sister and mom and dad yeah that's that's awesome to hear um i think that we we've been blogging since 2013 um on the com. so to have our book um come out i think we've this has been a long time coming um and it's been so exciting to see um, the reception to the book um, and just how excited everybody else is about it. So it's 
it's about it. It uses the term Chinese American. What what's the def, what's your de- definition of Chinese American? It's not strictly a Chinese book, nor is it strictly an American book, but it's what all of us, uh, all of these years, have experienced when we go to a Chinese restaurant in America. Yeah, I mean, I think that we take the same approach to the idea of Chinese American identity in the book as we do on the blog. So Mm -hmm. what that means is um, basically weaving together all the different facets of the Chinese American experience within our family as well. Um, So my dad uh, grew up in the Catskills. He's first generation um, American born Chinese um, to immigrant parents. Uh, My mom immigrated to the U.S. when she was 16. Uh, She grew up in Shanghai. And then my sister and I are sort of like one and a half generations (laughs) American-born. So so I think that brings with it, you know, lots of different experiences of what Chinese-American is and also different facets of Chinese cuisine. So we have, like, for example, my dad um, in the Catskills, his father and his grandfather and stepfather all cooked uh, what we would now call Americanized Chinese food um, in restaurants in upstate New York. Um, so, you know, we have that thread in our blog and book. And then my mom grew up, uh, you know, cooking a lot of very traditional dishes uh, back in China. So that thread is also there. Um, and then, you know, as these dishes evolve over time and as we traveled throughout China, um, over the past few years, um, we've also experienced lots of different regional Chinese cuisines uh, that we weren't exposed to as kids. Um, So we're trying to weave all of those different things uh, into the book and uh, on the blog. Did you and your sister cook a lot growing up? We did, yeah. Um, So my sister and I have always loved food. We've always loved cooking. Um, Our parents definitely helped us um, sort of nurture those skills. And but at the same time, we were cooking very different food uh, than what my mom, say, was making every night uh, for dinner. So we were cooking what we saw on the Food Network and what we saw mm-hmm. in cookbooks from the library or from, you know, wherever we get, bought cookbooks, usually at, like, garage sales and stuff like that. Um, and we weren't really exposed. Obviously, on TV, um, there was, like, Martin Yan, Yan Can Cook. There, there, were, there, there was some Chinese representation, but... Um, we were definitely mostly cooking like uh, spaghetti and meatballs and like meatloaf and like those things Um, because they felt different and they felt new um, from what we were eating uh, most nights. Um, The delicious food that my mom and my dad was, were were preparing for us growing up. Um, And then we realized like when my parents, uh, they actually got transferred to China uh, for a temporary work assignment to Beijing And at that point, my sister and I were in college and realized, wow, we really, although we love cooking, we don't know how to make these dishes that we'd taken for granted for so long. And that's when we decided to start The Walks of Life. Your grandparents owned a Chinese restaurant. They did. So my dad's parents, um, they opened a, it was a sit-down slash takeout restaurant um, in New Jersey. Um, Sell, you know, making lo mein, wonton soup, egg drop soup, like all those classic Americanized Chinese dishes. Um, And my grandfather was incredibly good at cooking those dishes. Uh, He, um, you know, made them for many years in hotels up in the Catskills. 
And so it's, it's been really amazing to, um, to be able to, I mean, to connect with people on different levels, right? Because for some, I feel like Chinese food is so embedded in the fabric of American life. And, um, you know, some people may have grown up in Chinese American households where they had home cooking on the table every night. And then some people's experience of Chinese mm. food is, um, you know, that, that stuff that you get at restaurants or Chinese buffets. And, you know, we want to be able to have all of those entry points represented um, on the blog and in the book. And But at the same time, the goal is to sort of expand everybody's view of what Chinese food is. Do, do you know, it was as, as I went through the book and looked at all the recipes, there are so so many of them are familiar because of my visits to Chinese restaurants in America. And the the question is, how, how did that continuity, that consistency happen? Is it just that the Chinese who open restaurants here decided this is what Americans like, and so we'll make these? Or what ingredients were yeah. available? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely both those things. That's a great question. Um, I think... So a big part of it is the fact that uh, the majority of early Chinese immigrants to America were from one region of China. They were from uh, southern China, a province called Guangdong, and um, or basically they were Cantonese. Cantonese, people. yeah. Um, so that is the cuisine that's kind of most influenced uh, Chinese, what we would call now call Americanized Chinese food. Um, and then I think you have like obviously what ingredients are available so you know i like to think of like all of the items on a chinese takeout menu <laughs> that are like with mixed vegetables <laughs> <laughs> and and like the mixed vegetables are usually things like carrots and celery and canned bamboo shoots and canned water chestnuts and maybe bean sprouts if that was available and those are really ingredients that were um american ingredients that were readily available um, where, you know, they were, they served as replacements for things, uh, that, you know, perhaps they, that they had at home, but couldn't find here in the U S. Mm. Um, so I think that that in part is, is that's a big part of it is availability of ingredients. And then I think you have, um, just, I suppose like any other food trend, um, like for, for instance, shrimp with lobster sauce, um, that dish is a it's shrimp with a little bit in a very like sort of silky sauce with brown pork and cooked egg and no um, lobster and no lobster exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah so the origins of that dish are it's there was a a dish called lobster cantonese uh -huh. which was actually lobster that was stir fried in a sauce like i described so that kind of silky clear sauce with egg and ground pork um, but lobster is very expensive, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so chefs sort of adapted that dish and made it with shrimp. And then people really loved it. And then, you know, that dish kind of spreads uh, across the country. But we do see um, surprising variations in, like, Americanized Chinese food across the U.S. So we hear from our readers, like, oh, my shrimp with lobster sauce isn't, like this light, clear sauce like you have, it actually is dark, and it has black be fermented black mm -hmm. beans in it, which is interesting. And that's something that we see sort of like in the New England area, like the Boston area. Mm -hmm. um, 
so there are definitely like chef like pockets of chefs making you know little variations on on these dishes and suiting them to the local taste of of their local clientele which i think is you know obviously a big part of it too so i've got a, a quick question for you on because you address it in the book what about msg yeah so <laughs> so i think msg has been unfairly demonized um and it i think the it's not so much the the demonization of msg that's bothersome to me it's more so the demonization of chinese cuisine mm-hmm. in general because there's this perception that you know oh there's like so much msg and it's you know not healthy whatever and um yeah i mean we found that in our research like that there this sort of chinese restaurant syndrome thing mm-hmm. has been debunked um and we look at msg as an optional tool in your spice cabinet if you want to use it. Um, I think it's basically what it is, is it's uh, glutamate. So it's an amino acid that actually is like the essence of that fifth taste, umami. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And it makes food, it kind of just brings out extra savoriness in food. Um, And we don't use it we don't use it very often in our own cooking, but in the book we do use we do suggest it as an optional ingredient for dishes where we really think it takes that dish the extra mile. Um, and you can choose to use it or not. Um, but I think that it's sort of time to change perceptions around Chinese food or MSG mm-hmm. as being um, inferior or cheap or like junk food that kind mm-hmm. of. Um, that kind of perception. This is an intergenerational cookbook. We're talking with Sarah Lung, her sister, Caitlin, her wrote the book along with her dad and mom, Bill and Judy, and they all participate in the blog, The Walks of Life, which is the name of their introductory cookbook, Recipes to Know and Love from a Chinese-American Family. You have an incredible uh, feedback network with millions of followers. You're in a rare position to really gauge the tone of how people perceive Chinese American food. Yeah, that's, that's been so great just to be able to have um, so many fans, not only around the U S but around the world and to hear um, how Chinese food has like spread around the world and, and how like those regional differences that I was talking about um, in how the cuisine has adapted in those various places. Um, And for us, you know, we're, we're, we grew up in the Northeast, the Northeastern U.S., um, and so that's sort of where our perspective is. But it's been great just to, I mean, just a few months ago, we put out a recipe for war wonton soup, um, which is not something that I had ever heard of or something that I grew up with. Um, but I think it's a little bit, perhaps I'm hearing, more common on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, just to be able to develop recipes like that and to trace their origins um, with all of the feedback that we've been getting from readers has been really cool. I love that you said this because I learned through this book that there truly is regional American Mm -hmm. cuisine, American Chinese Mm -hmm. cuisine. The dishes on the West Coast, people have not heard Mm -hmm. of them on the East Coast. I have a close Chinese friend here on the West Coast, and I asked him, have you ever made almond pressed duck? And he said, What's that? Mm. And I said, you, and I said, you grew up in San Francisco Chinatown. 
And he said, I've never heard of that dish. Mm. So it's so interesting. Me as an American, mm. my perception of what is Chinese food was very different than mm-hmm. his growing up in the culture. So, yes, so I, sure. I'd loved your the chapters, which we should get into, because to talk about some of the recipes, because many of them will be, uh, at least the names, if not the recipe, will be very familiar to people. But it's like, oh, that's how they make that. <laughs> you know, when I've tried to do it without uh, a, a Chinese grandmother on my shoulder to <laughs> tell me what to do. Especially key techniques like velveting Ding, chicken. Yeah, yeah. That, to me, is one of the great mysteries that you have demystified. Mm. What is velveting mm. chicken? Yes. Um, so velveting is a process of essentially marinating a protein before you're stir-frying it. Um, and the marinade, the marinade is like the two core ingredients are oil and a starch, like cornstarch. You could also use potato starch or tapioca starch. Um, but those two ingredients are going to help protect the protein from the searing heat of the wok. And if you've ever stir fried like chicken, for example, and you, you find that the chicken kind of has this like dry appearance mm-hmm. after you stir fried it and you're like, that doesn't look like what the restaurant, <laughs> what, you know, my local restaurant, restaurant stir fried chicken looks like. Um, that is the reason it's that, you know, that, uh, chicken has been, um, marinated in that, cornstarch and oil mixture usually with you know additional seasonings maybe soy sauce maybe oyster sauce and actually also often a little bit of water and you'll you'll be surprised when you actually marinate the meat how the the meat actually absorbs uh the liquid so the water that you've added and it actually makes the chicken a lot more sort of moist and juicy um as you're after you've uh stir fried it in that super searing hot wok Why don't we take a quick two-minute break, Sarah, and we'll come back and we'll dive into the book. Mm -hmm. The book is The Walks of Life, Recipes to Know and Love from a Chinese-American Family. We're speaking with Sarah Lung, her and her sister, Caitlin, along with their mom and dad, Bill and Judy, just wrote this book, and it is a keepsake. It's kind Mm -hmm. of a, a family album. Mm-hmm. would describe mm-hmm. with all the great photographs and also the recollections of each member of the family about how Chinese American cooking affected their lives back after this. Find yourself in financial freedom. Listen to the Dave Ramsey show weekday afternoons, one to 3 PM K S R O do healthy eating habits fit into your new year's resolution. Then shop the Santa Rosa certified farmers market for fresh local produce It's important to know where your food comes from, and you can meet the local farmers and ranchers who raise quality, locally grown food products for you to enjoy. At The Market, you can savor a variety of delicious prepared foods. The Market offers fresh, local ingredients for healthy dinners, a variety of quality meats from beef and pork to seafood, along with seasonal fruits and vegetables. Taste the local cow and goat cheese blends from Achadina Cheese Company. Purchase the wonderful baked goods, jams, spices, and pastas. Everything you need to create memorable, healthy dinners is at the Santa Rosa Original Farmer's Market. Open year-round, rain or shine, Saturdays, 8.30 till 1 p.m. at Luther Burbank Center for the Arts. The Santa Rosa Original Certified Farmer's Market, where it's always fresh, local, and fun. 
The Charles M. Schultz Sonoma County Airport is ready for you when you're ready to fly. Take a quick trip on a direct flight to one of our great destinations. On the way to the terminal, you can enjoy a pre-flight wine tasting. Grab a quick snack, fresh baked goods, or a full meal and drinks. You have options, and they're right in your backyard. Go to flysts.com and book your flight and reserve parking. Skip the Bay Area traffic. Travel relaxed at the Sonoma County Airport. FlySTS.com. KSRO, AM, FM, and online. Depend on it. In the KSRO Kitchen, we're talking to Sarah Lung from the Walks of Life blog and cookbook. And it became a hopeless effort for me, Sarah, trying to star <laughs> the recipes that I wanted to talk about. I gave, uh, I mean, I read the whole book cover to cover, and I had like 40 or 50 recipes mm-hmm. that I had to talk to you about. Oh, so, that's awesome. so it was like throwing a dart in well, a dart Well, and, and also it was that uh, all recipes that many of which we're familiar with from eating in Chinese American restaurants, but never knew exactly how to make them. So now I know, which is great. That's so great. That's great to hear. So the first chapter was dim sum. Uh, and I have to say, I'm going to Hong Kong shortly. and Actually, so, just a five, six days. Yeah. Look, oh, wow. Looking forward to uh, uh, dim sum heaven there. But <laughs> what is dim sum? Totally. Yeah. So um, dim sum... Uh, or dancing in Mandarin basically translates to like touch to touch the heart. Um, but basically, mm. what what it is are are these little these little like jewels of like one bite of you know of a delicious item that uh, you have a variety of at the, at the table while you're drinking tea. Um, usually, you have dim sum for like a brunch um, like in the mm-hmm. morning, um, and uh, so. The art of making these individual dim sum items is, it used to be a mystery to us, even, you know, Mm -hmm. us as a family. Um, It was something that we only ate going out when we, like, went out. And um, some of the items are very intricate, uh, complex, um, and there's generally a, a wide variety. So you'll have, like, small dumplings or little, like, baked buns or... Um, there's also like stewed items or, uh, like steamed sticky rice items. So there's, there's a lot of variety. Um, and we wanted to do a dim sum, a dim sum chapter in the book, um, because we wanted to show, you know, that these are things that you can make at home actually. Mm -hmm. And as long as you have sort of the formula and you know what you're doing, um, it is possible to pull these off in a home kitchen. My favorite, of course, in the dim sum was a show that John and I did a couple months mm. ago on Hong Kong egg tarts. Mm-hmm. I baked mm. uh, I baked two different recipes of egg tarts, and we dissected them on the air mm-hmm. and, and gave the pros and cons. And so I'm so glad that you've included your recipe for Hong Kong egg tarts. Oh, yeah. It's one of my absolute favorites. And that one that one is my recipe, so I can speak to it from, okay, from okay. a first-person perspective. <laughs> 
Um, so I, the first time I had ever had like a fresh, like warm from the oven egg tart was believe it or not in China. So like, I was like in my twenties, um, usually not to, not to like, uh, you know, throw shade at American dim sum restaurants. I think it, it was just like a bad luck thing where it was like, by the time the egg tart got to me, it was usually cold uh-huh. or like room temperature. Um, but if you've ever had one that's like warm and just came out of the oven, it's like a life changing experience. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I love making them uh, at home because I, I can guarantee that I'll get a warm one. Um, and yeah, I hope I hope that you try my recipe and that it stands up to those other ones you tried. So the other thing in that chapter, I mean, you have shumai and other little dumpling things that are that are great. But I have to tell you, uh, I'm going to make, I haven't made it yet, radish cake, which is one of my favorite things to order mm. when I go, go out because it's so, it's so unusual. Can you talk about mm-hmm. that briefly? Yeah, I actually had it for breakfast this morning, really. Um, <laughs> my mom my mom gave me one that she made for Chinese New Year, and it was frozen, and we defrosted it and fried it this morning. <laughs> um, so a radish cake is essentially, it's made with daikon radish. Um, so this, this is like a long, sort of oblong, very big white radish um, that you can find in uh, a Chinese grocery store. They also have it in Japanese. Like, most Asian markets will have it. Um, and you basically, uh, combine, cook the radish, you combine it with, um, starch. So like, uh, or like rice flour, like rice flour and you steam it and you get this cake that is, you know, throughout the, you know, it's not just radish. It also includes Chinese sausage, mushrooms, dried shrimp, and all these delicious, flavorful things. And after the cake is steamed, it is then sliced and then pan fried. So you get this sort of very creamy pudding like mm-hmm. texture in the middle and then a crispy outside. And like the combination of those two textures is really um, a home run. It's a killer. We're, can, can, we're almost out of time, but there, can we mention a couple of other uh, recipes, Steve? Which sure. You, I yeah, just, absolutely. And I want to also make sure that Sarah tells us how you chose the cover photograph of the book. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh, that was a difficult one. That took us several several months <laughs> to decide which which photo would go on the cover, and we tried a bunch of, of photos. But I think that 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 picture of the wontons it's 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 our spicy chili uh, chili oil wonton recipe, um, and I think I think that photo just looks really aspirational and also achievable. It kind of speaks to the like the the thesis of the book, which is like, you can make these, like you in your own kitchen can make these dishes that maybe you've only ever had at a restaurant, or maybe your only your mom has ever made them for you. Um, you can do this. And I think also we, you know, we, we ended up going in this sort of traditional direction with the cover, with the, the bright red. Mm-hmm. And we really liked how the, the red and the wonton sort of like picked up the red on the cover. It's very eye-catching. Mm. So, John, a couple more recipes. Well, uh, I know, I, know <laughs> I, I want to talk about them all. <laughs> they're, they're so great. Well, you have a, the chapter following dim sum. You have what you call starters, um, which mm-hmm. I loved. And one of the classic ones is scallion pancakes. Yes. Um, so that recipe is my mom's recipe. And I, I, I really love the story that she wrote for this one. So it, in the sort of note before the recipe, she talks about her experience of 
um, being a young girl in uh, Shanghai and kind of walking around after school with her friends and seeing these street vendors selling uh, scallion pancakes for a few pennies each and how this, you know, there are a lot of scallion pancake recipes out there, but this particular recipe is, it recreates that memory of enjoying them with her friends after school um, from a street vendor. And it's so simple. <laughs> I think it has five ingredients or something. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, I don't know where to go from yeah. here because I'm lost and just. Uh, we have to have I'm, you. I'm back. hungry. <laughs> we needed actually. We I think we're going to do a part two. Yeah, yeah. With Sarah because we just I didn't realize before I got into the book a couple of weeks ago how much I was going to enjoy it and how many different recipes I, I've not only enjoyed <laughs> and, and how many I earmarked. Yeah. So Sarah, perhaps you'll have another opportunity to sit in with John and me. Yeah, I would love to. Thank you guys so much. I think it's great to hear that um, you know we wanted the we wanted the recipes to feel familiar to people. So it's great to hear that you guys felt that. Well, I'm going to be making. I'll just let you know. My two favorite vegetable dishes are eggplant with garlic sauce and dry fried green beans. Mm-hmm. I've not been mm-hmm. successful with either one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've gave give me some great tips about blanching the greens. Um, yep. really important, some really important. And the special ingredient, I'm going to try to find this, the type of Sichuan preserved vegetables. We you do have some good Chinese. Yeah. Can I get With, them, yeah, John? Locally. Yeah. Then my dry fried green beans will soar. Yeah. And then I'm going to yeah. make, tomorrow I'm making, <laughs> actually tomorrow I'm making hot and sour soup mm-hmm. because it's been cold here oh, in Northern yeah, California. Yeah. That is one of my absolute favorites. And that hot and sour soup, that, that's my dad's recipe, will stand up to any that you've ever uh. had. Okay, she's vouching. Well, okay. she's a little biased. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. her dad, but but I, you know I yeah. think she's trustworthy. Yeah, yeah. Sarah, thanks. This has been a joy to talk with you this morning, and uh, we're gonna. Uh, well, actually, we're gonna have her back. Let's, yeah. Let's, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna email you. I'm gonna text you, and we're gonna have you back so we can really explore the book in greater depth. Okay, Sarah. Sounds great. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, John. Yep, you're welcome. Thanks. Good talking with you. Sarah Lung, the book is The Walks of Life, Recipes to Know and Love from a Chinese-American Family by Bill, Judy, Sarah, and Caitlin Lung. That's it for today. Are you hungry yet? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Stick around. Clark Wolf at the table following the news. And, of course, Garden Talk returns next Saturday as well as the Good Food Hour. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. This is Sonoma County's News Talk, K245DJ Petaluma, K278CD KSRO Santa Rosa. From ABC News, I'm Dave Packer. Ukraine's president wants American fighter jets to help defend against